we wish you welcome. Also, our listeners, we wish you welcome. We wish you all more than welcome, praying that the Lord of peace, Jesus himself, give you his peace, no matter what today is like. Remember, God is still on his throne, and Jesus will bless us as long as we keep our trust in him. Returning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, to verse 24. Let's read it. Grab your Bible and let's read it. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So after the Lord had introduced his disciples to the fact about his impending, about his coming death, now he again started teaching them the principles of discipleship. Earlier the Lord had taught them on the same subject. You find it in Matthew 10, the verses 22 through 42. It must be 24 probably. No, 42 from the New International Version. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Verse 24. The student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master. It's enough for a student to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. Now, if the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household. So do not be afraid of them, for there's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden, that will not be made known. And what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Verse 28. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword for I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. 
A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Verse 38. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. And whosoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly, I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. So discipleship would not mean marvelous expectations of reigning with Christ in his kingdom right away and having positions of influence and power. The Lord taught that the road to glory is a road of suffering. That to gain or save one's life, one ought to be willing to lose it. The principles of the spiritual world are altogether different from the principles of this world. They must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow the Lord Jesus. And to each disciple, there is a different road to glory, and to each, a different reward is waiting. Those who lose their own soul in order to gain the world are swapping or are trading or are bartering their future glory with the here and now reward of this world. For the disciple there is immediate loss as in we have left all. But, in the end, gain. For those in the world, there may be instantaneous gain, perhaps very much gain, but eventual loss in the end. Not a situation we as human beings are comfortable with or come natural to. Instead, preventing the Lord from reaching his goal and standing in his way, as Peter had done by rebuking the Lord and telling him that he, Peter, would never let him suffer the death on the cross. See the verses 23 and 24. Instead of standing in the way, 
they who wish to follow him should not try to evade or stay away from or skip out on their cross either, the cross that the Lord has for them. A cross is, isn't something you can take or leave at one's discretion, at one's choice or pleasure, as in yesterday I did that cross thing already, today I'm going to give it a rest. It's absolutely impossible to follow the Lord without taking up our cross. Why? Because the Lord said so. He taught us here. Look at Matthew 16, the verses 24 through 26. It says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Also in Mark 8, the verses 34 through 37, it says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And again in Luke 9, verses 23 through 25, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Unless a believer takes up his cross and follows the Lord, he is not even on the same road with the Lord and heading in the same direction the Lord is. Our heads, our brains are just made that way. And the whole deal starts with self-denial. We all know so little of self-denial and aren't good at, at it of ourselves because our bend is, our way is, our makeup is to push ourselves on the foreground and on top of that make things easier for ourselves every time a little bit more. Paul wrote about that in Romans 6 verse 11. He advised to count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's from the New International Version. And the King James Version says, Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. J. Vernon McGee, in his Through the Bible, puts it in this way. He writes, many people interpret this verse, let him deny himself ice cream, or let him deny himself some luxury down here. But he writes, that's not what the Lord is saying. It says, if anyone wants to be a follower of mine, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. To deny myself a nice dessert is bad enough, but to deny, but to deny myself is just hard, he writes. To put myself on the, black, on the back burner, to put self 
out of the picture and to put Christ in the place of self, that's hard. But that's what the Lord is looking for. That's what he's looking for in those who want to follow him. So we will be able to truly work in his vineyard under him. The Phillips Bible says, if anyone wants to follow in my footsteps, he must give up all right to himself, take up his cross and follow me. Take up his cross or her cross and follow me. Not as Peter in, Lord, you can't do this or that, or do it this or that way, Lord. No, follow him. Take up his cross. The Lord said, and follow me, he said. The follower of the Lord is not to take up Christ's cross. The Lord did that already. We must take up our own cross. There's a cross for each follower of the Lord. That's what he said. If we follow him. Verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. As a wife, you can give up all your ambitions and live your life for your husband. As a follower of the Lord, you must give up all your own ambitions and follow Christ. And here we see that as the Lord teaches that losing one's life unto him is gaining a higher quality of life from him with far-reaching implications. With an eye as the world sees things, crucifixion is a form of capital punishment. But for Christ, it means his death and resurrection. And for those who follow him, eternal life because of Christ's death. To picture it, one might see it that our eternal life is won by giving our life to Christ. For him to take over in our life. That from then on, we live unto him instead of unto self. Verse 26, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The Greek word for soul or life is psyche. It could mean life or, or life in general. 
it has quite a wide meaning, as um, as said in life, life in general, or life of a plant, or of a human being, and even spiritual life. Strong's concordance teaches that it means the vital breath, the breath of life, the human soul, the soul as the seat of affections and will, the self, a human person, an individual. And because of that, to gain the whole world means to attain everything in life, material and otherwise. But the expression to lose one's life is the important point. It is the main point of this passage here and stands in sharp contrast to obtaining or getting the whole world or everything in life we can put our hands on. So the teaching is that everyone who is not willing to give up the whole world and all that's in it for Christ's sake or for the cause of the Lord, for the cause of Christ, will lose what he has, will lose what he has kept behind for himself when the Lord returns to judge the world. That is what the verses 25 and 27 teach us. For anyone who keeps his life for himself shall lose it. Verse 25. And anyone who loses his life for me shall find it again, he said. For I, the Son of Mankind, shall come with my angels in the glory of my Father and judge each person according to his deeds. It's impossible to buy true life. Look at Psalm 49, the verses 7 and 8. Not one of them Though rich as kings can ransom his own brother from the penalty of sin. For God's forgiveness does not come that way. For a soul is far too precious to be ransomed by mere earthly wealth. Verses 8 and 9. There's not enough of it in all the earth to buy eternal life for just one soul and to keep it out of hell. Only the Lord Jesus gives that kind of true life and he gives it freely to those who believe. Twenty-seven. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. And here we see for the first time that the Lord spoke to his disciples 
about his return to earth. And when he returns, it will be in glory. Look at Matthew 24, verse 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And read Matthew 26, verse 64, where Jesus said unto the high priest, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. For the Lord will return with the splendor and glory of his Father, as we read in Daniel 7, verse 14. There was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. It'll be at that time that he will pay everyone according to his works, her works. His works literally is his doing. In other words, what a person has been doing. See Psalm 62 verse 12. It says, Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. The Living Bible puts it this way. God has said it many times that power belongs to him. And also, O Lord, steadfast love belongs to you. He rewards each one of us according to what our works deserve. Of course, works here has to do with how one responds to the requirements of, to the necessity for discipleship after we already have believed in the Lord. Look at Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26, from the Philip's Bible. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wants to follow in my footsteps, he must give up all right to himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For the man who wants to save his life will lose it, but the man who loses his life for my sake will find it. For what good is it for a man to gain the whole world at the price of his own soul? What could a man offer to buy back his soul once he's lost it? For what does a man profit if he should gain the whole world 
and suffer the loss of his soul, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? These are serious questions. Who can answer them? If anything is taught with these words, it is the enormous, the immeasurable value of the soul. The soul will never die. The soul is immortal. If it were not, these questions wouldn't make any sense. To say that our soul, that a human soul, will die like that of an animal and dies without Christ, that's one of the evil one's lies. And that's a lie that really took hold on some of us and has gained ground even throughout Christendom these last days, even now. When the Lord returns, he will judge the believer's work. How they kept themselves busy. Everything they have done by the standards and principles of the gospel. Look at Romans 2, the verses 6 through 10. He will give each one whatever his deeds deserve. He will give eternal life to those who patiently do the will of God, seeking for the unseen glory and honor and eternal life that he offers. But he will terribly punish those who fight against the truth of God and walk in evil ways. God's anger will be poured out upon them. There will be sorrow and suffering for Jews and Gentiles alike who keep on sinning. But there will be glory and honor and peace from God for all who obey him, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. But all rewards are not only in the future. Even now, through the Holy Spirit, believers right now, in the here and now, already have a partial payment on the future blessings. Look at Ephesians 1, the verses 13 through 14. Just don't you love the letter to the Ephesians? Ephesians 1, the verses 13 through 14. And because of what Christ did, all you others too, who heard the good news about how to be saved and trusted Christ, were marked as belonging to Christ by the Holy Spirit, who long ago had been promised to all of us Christians. His presence within us is God's guarantee that he really will give us all that he promised. And the Spirit's seal upon us means that God has already purchased us and that he guarantees to bring us 
to himself. This is just one more reason for us to praise our glorious God. This is from the Living Bible. Let's go to verse 28. It's hard to find a closing to, to a talk like this. It's just hard. I don't want to let you sit here. And Although it was marvelous to think about, oh, that Ephesians. Let's go to verse 28. The Lord said, Verily I say unto you, There be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And in general, there, there are three interpretations of this passage. Firstly, the Lord was speaking of the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD under Titus when the nation was judged and punished. And secondly, the Lord was pointing to his resurrection and to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Then there is a next interpretation, and that is that the Lord was referring to the transfiguration, which would take place six days from that day he was speaking to his disciples just now. Matthew 17, verse 1, it says, Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John to the top of a high and lonely hill. Let's go back to the verses 27 and 28. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. These words refer to his coming in power, his coming in glory. They refer to his second coming at the end of this age when he will set up the millennial kingdom. And these words have confused some of us, but not when we continue reading from the 16th chapter on to the 17th, because there it is where we find six days later the Lord and three of his disciples climbing the Mount of Transfiguration. And on that mount, what the disciples experienced, there was a type, we may say, an assurance or foreview of the Lord's glorious second coming. The Son of Man in his kingdom. What an event, what a glorious event, what a marvelous occurrence that'll be. Go and read it.
Amen.